Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. With John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the key studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. John Chuckery Show. Coming to you live on this Tuesday evening, 404-741-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line if you want to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us when you are on the go. Social media, find us at 92.9 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to catch up with me, follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. This, of course, tonight, look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. So uh, the Falcons pro football focus grades, the top five offensive grades last night in the Jets game. Kyle Pitts, number one, at 92.7. Desmond Ritter, number two, at 92.6. Michael Pruitt, number three, at 89.4. Olamide Zacchaeus came in at number four at 88.1. And Marcus Mariota came in at number five at 87.1. Those are all outstanding grades. And look, the offense early on got it cooking. You know, they were rolling. They were running up and down the field doing what they had to do. But it just fell apart in the second half. That's the thing that frustrated me was just you didn't have to be very good in the second half, but just be competent. And, you know, look, I know these wins don't matter, but – you're trying to change the culture. You, you want to make it, you want to make the culture of we expect to go out there and win these games no matter who we play with a different colored hat on than what we've got. Um, on the defensive side of the football, uh, Corey Ballantyne, the corner, was number one at 81.7. Taquan Graham came in at number two at 80. He's had a nice camp and offseason. Um, Abdullah Anderson, defensive lineman, came in at three at 75.1. Casey Hayward, who I thought made some really nice plays. That's going to be a fun duo to have is A.J. Terrell and Casey Hayward covering guys on the outside. He was number three at 72 points, or sorry, number four at 72.7. Lorenzo Carter came in at fifth at uh, 71.4. He was tied with defensive lineman Darian Daniels at 71.4. So not bad. I mean, those those are well above average grades. Um, so I thought the defense did some good work, but – uh, especially that the offense got it cooking. You can tell by some of the grades that those guys had got. Now, pro football focus, the 15 highest graded rookies through week two of the preseason. So all the preseason games in the books. The Falcons do have a rookie on this list. Is it Desmond Ritter? No. How about Drake London, right? He had the one cat. No, 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 he's not not on there. How about Arnold Ebicady? No, no. I know, Troy Anderson. No, no. The highest-graded Atlanta Falcon on this list comes in at number two overall. Any guesses, Day-Day? I'm going to say somewhere from the Midwest or kind of Mountain West-ish. 
Algier? No. D Ford. Wow. 92.3 grade. Only Josh, only Josh Ross of the Ravens has a higher grade at 93 than D Alford. The Falcons look like they have something in the former CFL standout. Alford has put on a show through two games, allowing seven catches on 13 targets for just 42 yards plus an interception out there. So, look, Alford's Alford's made some nice plays. Now, again, how that translate into when we get in the regular season and everything else, right? Because preseason, it is what it is. But I'd rather you stand out at this time of year than, than you know, to be a bum right now. So, good for D. Alford. He has the second highest grade among all rookies. Tight end uh, Isaiah Likely for the Baltimore Ravens comes in at number three with a 92.2. So, D. Alford just ahead of linebacker Josh Ross, Josh Ross excuse me, um, of the Ravens. And, by the way, the Ravens have two of the top three highest graded guys. Huh? Shocking, right? Like, they never draft well. Baltimore Ravens never draft high-caliber impact players out there, huh? Anyway, um, roster cuts today. Uh, Cornerback Lafayette Pitts was cut. So, Pitts did get cut today, except that it was Lafayette Pitts. Um, They released Jalen Dalton, defensive lineman, injury settlement there. Defensive end, uh, is it uh, Kewoni Dang? I can't even say that I honestly know who that is. I wouldn't know who he is if he came in studio and offered me a, a grilled cheese sandwich. Uh, and then two wide receivers, Geronimo Allison and a guy that I was very high on, but in talking to D-Led last week, just could not get anything going in preseason, in training camp, Auden Tate. And I was hoping that he could be a guy that would come in and make an impact and this, that, and the other. It looks like Brian Edwards is going to make an impact for this team. I like that. It looks like Zacchaeus, um, you know, he's going to be, I don't know if I want to say impact player because I've seen him before. And, you know, maybe he'll be more than a 25-catch guy, you know, this year. So, but anyway, I, was a, I can't say as I was surprised by the Auden Tate cut, but I was disappointed because that was a guy that I thought had the ability to, you know, maybe make this team and make an impact in the wide receiver group. So, now they're down to 80 now you've got another preseason game. The next Tuesday, you got to get down to 53. So you go from 80 to 53. So, you know, we'll see between now and then if they don't release a guy or two to open up a roster spot. Right? I still think that they're going to add defensive line, potentially offensive line. I still think they're going to add somebody on one of their lines of scrimmage because they do have a little bit of money, and I do think that they're going to use some of that. I don't think they're going to roll all of that over into next year or anything. So, we will see what happens there. All right, let's uh, let's get to some audio. Uh, where am I at here? All right, let's get to uh, Coach Arthur Smith and his thoughts about the game and cleaning things up. Well, I thought at least the the first groups, I thought they were ready to go. wasn't perfect. Um, it was good to see us put some drives together. We got to finish in the red zone. Um, you know, we got to clean up the penalties. There's a lot of stuff in the second half I'm not really pleased with. Uh, you're talking about handing things. You know, it's hard enough. In between the snaps, but when you're doing stuff pre-snap, as your stuff we got it, and you find out a lot about it, guys. But uh, overall, you know, I, I was pleased with a lot of the a lot of the older guys early on. Well, I agree. Uh, I, I thought their offense, especially, looked good. The penalties is frustrating, right? Very frustrating. The the penalties and and the pre-snap penalties and things like that, right? Very frustrating stuff on all of that, but. They got to get it cleaned up, and Jalen Mayfield was a big part of that. Just again, um, 
you know, I won't say I told you so, but, you know, won't have to pat myself on the back or anything like that. He'll make the roster, but I don't know how much playing time you're going to see out of Jalen Mayfield. All right, here's Arthur Smith talking about Mariota and finishing in the red zone. When Marcus is in a rhythm, yeah. guys won a lot of football games, and he's, he's historically been pretty good in the red zone. So it's good to see him get in a rhythm. Uh, it's good to see OZ. I thought it was a good route, good throw. Uh, we got we got to finish those drives, though, in the red zone. Yeah, I agree. Listen, we've talked about the fact that this is where I need Kyle Pitts and all these guys to step up. I didn't like the first and goal from the five and not running the football with, with out there. I mean, we're going to be a power running team. Stay to your identity, coach. That's one thing I'm going to be a little bit frustrated about is stay with you what your identity is. You want to run the football, want to establish the run. You need to see what your guys can do down there. Because if we can't punch it in from the three, four, five yard line, running the football, and, and we have to go back. You saw it last night. Shotgun, four wide, one guy in the backfield. If that's how we have to be at first and goal from the five, it's going to be a long year. You're going to have trouble closing out drives and not just kicking and selling for field goals when all is said and done. All right, there's Arthur talking about the defense playing well. So, I mean, we try to we work all the fundamentals. Clearly, there's some of the stuff i got to look at the tape. Uh, you know, with the holding calls, some of the, some of that stuff, we gotta we gotta make sure we fix that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we take pride on that. I mean, we we gotta have swarm and, and make those plays in space. So look, um, tomorrow, day day, I am actually gonna be at Mercedes Benz headquarters over in Sandy Springs, right? Um, doing a chalk talk with Falcons fans and mm-hmm. employees for Mercedes Benz coming back and all this. Right. And I tell you, one of the things is I'm excited about our coaching staff, and I'm excited to see Dean Pease. Get these guys cranked up and going when it's for real. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we're not playing third and fourth stringers, guys who won't be here much longer. Right. That's one of the big things I'm excited about is seeing Dean Pease and the transformation of our defense. And I think we're seeing little blips and bleeps and bloops and blops out yeah, of all of it. Definitely agree. So we will see. All right, here's Marcus Mariota talking about his performance. Uh, you know, I felt great out there. And um, I thought as an offense, we were efficient. Um, I wish I could have the last drive back. But at the end of the day, we were able to go down and get some points. Yeah, I, I look, I thought the throw to Zacchaeus was excellent. thought that was an excellent throw. Good route on all of that. He ran the route rail. Good throw. Good pitch and catch uh, to him. Um, and I thought they looked good offensively early on in that game. Here's Mariota talking about finding ways to improve and get better. No doubt, no doubt. But we can always get better. And I think that's what's great about the preseason is um, it's an opportunity for us to continue to stack. It's still training camp. And, um, you know, we're going to find ways to get better and improve. Yeah, uh, first thing would be score in the second half. That'd be the first way to get things improved. But anyway, here's not running as much this week. Maybe I think of. just how it kind of the game presented itself. Um, you know, game in and game out, I'm gonna do whatever it takes. And they might ask me to run a little more, might ask me to throw a little more. What's exciting about this offense is we can be very versatile. We can do a lot of different things, and whatever it calls for me to do, I'm gonna do it to the best of my ability. Yeah, uh, I got no problem with my quarterbacks not overrunning, right? I don't want my guys getting killed out there. And I want to see Mariota stay in the pocket and find guys and throw it around a little bit. You know, they were balanced 28 to 29 passes to runs last night, so they're balanced again. All right, quickly here, let me get one from uh, Zacchaeus talking about the wide receiver group and what they need to work on this week. Like you said, you know, being in the right spot at the right time, just being available for the quarterback and uh, doing a job executing. I agree. Listen, um, still have a lot to sort out at the wide receiver position. It's becoming clear with Allison and Tate being cut today. I think we have a much clearer picture and pathway, but 
trying to figure out who our main guys are going to be, who's our main starter is going to be. I like Brian Edwards. I thought it was good to go target him. I hope he gets some run, you know, in this final preseason game. I know he wants to play, but I want to see them use him and target him and, and start to get a connection. Mariota have a little bit of history together. So we will see. Uh, it's going to be fascinating, this final preseason game, who's in, who's out, and, and not playing. Hey, uh, Kenny Mayne has joined the Odyssey fan with his new podcast. <gasps> hey, Mayne. Anyway, he's talking to athletes, musicians, celebrities, anybody in the world of entertainment. Previous episodes include Chris Berman, Tommy. Hey, hey, pretty good. Hey, yep, 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 yep. Anyway, download Hey, Mayne for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast from. All right, when we come back, we will talk to our buddy Chris Willis from Battery Power, part of SB Nation covering the Atlanta Braves, as Braves right now have exploded against the Pirates. The dirtbag, fleabag, lowlife, pond scum, scudge and spooge and everything else on the bottom of a barrel sludge, 5-1 to one now over the Pirates. Talk to Chris up next. Chuck Randy Key Studios, Sports Right Now the Game, Odyssey.com app. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is John Chuckery Show live on this Tuesday evening as the Braves continue to roll along, beating up on the Pittsburgh Pirates last night. And uh, a lot of questions about uh, a couple of guys on this team. Let's head out to waitfor.com hotline. Let's talk to our man in the nose, talk to our buddy Chris Willis. He, of course, is the managing editor for Battery Power. Batterypower.com is where you can check out his work. Also follow him on Twitter at Chris underscore Willis. And Chris, as always, man, appreciate a few minutes here this evening, and um, fortunately, I'm going to start off with some, um, you know, less than great news. I want to talk to you about this Marcelo Zuna situation, and, um, you know, look, I don't think there's many easy decisions, but if I had to ask you, do you think that, A, he makes the playoff roster, and, B, what does your gut tell you about what they're going to end up doing with him long term? I mean, how do you – can take a, a bad situation and make it worse. I mean, we found out that's possible <laughs> this week. Uh, um, I mean, right now, as, as way things are constructed, I don't see any way they can keep him on the playoff roster. And, and that's even before you calculate in, um, you know, his off the field troubles. I mean, his productions is sunk that far. I just think they have better options. Um, long-term, uh, you know, I think all signs point to a parting of the ways, but I mean, it hasn't happened yet still owed a significant amount of money. Uh, but, you know, I mean, at this point, um, you know, it, the production is just not there. And then the off-the-field stuff is an, an unwanted uh, distraction. So, you know, I, I mean, I think that's the, the direction to go in. Now, whether they actually go that route or not, I think will remains to be seen. You know, obviously, 
the biggest reason that that players love Snitker is his loyalty to them. But, you know, there are times when we look at and say maybe he's been too loyal to some guys. Do you think Snitger has a say in the decision about Ozuna and his future? Or you think that this is more even going above his pay grade, if you will, and, and this gets more into Alex Anthopoulos and the front office and the ownership and things like that, given the fact that he's now been arrested multiple times, you know, for off-the-field stuff? Yeah, I think I think it goes above uh, Snicker. Obviously, if he's on the roster, I mean, Snicker made it clear if he needs to use him, he's going to use him as long as he's there. Um, you know, and I think that's a, that's a good example of why, you know, those players rally around uh, Snicker, and a lot of times you can argue whether that was the correct decision correct decision or not but uh um i do i think his long-term future i think that goes up the further up the chain and probably lies without as you said without centopolis and, and ownership chris um you know the like take the georgia bulldogs for instance and a lot of people are asking about is there complacency you know will that set in and this that and the other you know the falcons had something that they called the super bowl hangover that people wanted to tag on them and so when you win a championship, there is that natural inclination about that instinct to get back and do it again. But I think the thing that the Braves have working for them, and this kind of is out of left field and unexpected, is that this shot in the arm that their young guys, specifically the Michael Harris, the Vaughn Grissom, the Spencer Strider, rookies and these young guys, even Contreras in that mix, that those were guys that were completely off the radar as far as what their contribution to the Braves have been. But I get the sense that those guys don't know what they don't know. And I think if there was any chance for complacency, those guys have blown that idea out of the water. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, when you look at that World Series roster they had last year, it was it looked a good bit different. I mean, obviously their core pieces remain. But you've got a new guy at first base. You got a guy in right field and Ronald Acuna that was injured. And then, as you mentioned, all the young guys too. I think if there was a World Series hangover, I think you probably look back to the first month of the season. You know, when it just seemed like they were celebrating something every single day. Um, you know, and there were there were ample uh, distractions and such. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not. That's something I'm not too worried about with this current group. And like you said, those new guys, the young guys, come up and and just give them. A, a boost of energy, um, you know, that seems like it's carried the rest of the way through. Chris Willis joining us on the WaitFor.com hotline from Battery Power covering the Atlanta Braves. Uh, I know we are going to overreact a little bit to what Mike Soroka has done and things like that, and, and I understand that. But I, I think there has to be, I think fans maybe more than anything, have to temper some expectations. And I'm not trying to throw a wet blanket on everything, but this is a guy trying to come back from multiple season-ending injuries, and I think there has to be some patience. I think people saw that start at Rome and immediately jumped to, okay, well, he's ready to be a Cy Young winner again. You know, I'm, And it just I, – I, I think at some point we're going to see him pitch at the big club, but I hope fans really have some tempered expectations about just trying to get him healthy. Next year to me, Chris, is when I feel like – that's when we can start to put expectations on what Mike Soroka may or may not be in the future. Yeah, um, that Rome start was amazing. And, uh, you know, and I think the most surprising thing for me was him coming out and throwing 45 pitches in his first rehab start. Uh, you know, that kind of made me think that maybe he's a little further along than what 
uh, we we expected. But you're right. I mean, the the start at Gwinnett, the second start at Gwinnett wasn't uh, quite as sharp. It didn't have a strikeout. Uh, he admitted, you know, he kind of got a little fatigued. I think the um, the expectations need to be measured. Um, you know, I think we said from the beginning, you know, if he if he uh, contributed anything at all, you should look at it like a, a bonus. And then next year, you know, he'll have a full spring training going in, hopefully healthy, and he'll have a chance to reestablish himself. But, uh, you know, it is a great story, though. I mean, it, it, it there was that long period where we didn't hear much, and you had to wonder if he was even going to make it back onto a uh, mound this season. And, uh, you know, he was able to do that, and it's looked pretty good. Chris, uh, I saw the stats on one of Ian Anderson's starts, and I'll be honest with you, I haven't kept up with everything that's going on with him down in the minors. How was that process gone? I know you had a pretty good start the other day. I want to say five or six innings, and I think he gave up none or one run or something like that. So it, it sounds like he did some good things, at least in the time that he's pitched down there. Yeah, I think he walked four in that in that outing too. And, you know, that's, a, that's still a little bit of a cause of concern, you know, because that's one of the things that plagued him up here. Some of the things – I didn't watch it. I didn't get to watch his start or anything. But some of the things I heard was, uh, you know, that – uh, maybe he looked a little bit better. The changeup, I think, was was pretty good. So, you know, um, no real in, inclination as to how long, uh, you know, he may stay down there. You just hope that, uh, you know, hope he can make some progress up and, and, you know, maybe September. That's a pretty good addition to the rotation if they need to go that way. Chris, you know, you look at Dansby with the 16 homers, and that's a, that's a good number and most likely going to be a 20-plus homer guy. But I was looking at some numbers. You know, he didn't hit his first home run until the 19th game of the year. And since the All-Star break, he's only hit one home run in total. And it's about a month's worth of games. I mean, from the, I think from the 22nd of July to the 22nd now of, of August. For all the good things that Dansby's done, his power seems like it's been really weird this year. Like the overall 35,000-foot number is pretty good, but... It took him a while to get going, and there's been very little home run production, it seems, here of late. It seems like he crammed a lot into a little bit of time this year as far as his home run total goes. Yeah, I wonder if it's a little bit of a change of approach. You know, we've seen him, you know, we always, the thinking was always on him that when he was hitting the ball the other way, that's when he was going his best. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen that now stretch out in, in a pronounced period over the season. Um, so I just wonder if, you know, if he's changed, you know, not quite selling out for power as much as what it seemed like he was doing last year and now. And, uh, you know, it's just is happy driving the ball into the gaps and stuff. But, yeah, it has been, you know, you, people forget how uh, how slow he started, uh, which was significant. I mean, a ton of strikeouts early, you know, and for him to be sitting where he's at right now, it, it has been uh, some, some uh, strange ride for sure. Chris Willis joining us on the WaitForIt.com hotline from BatteryPower.com, part of SB Nation covering the Atlanta Braves. The other part about, I want to talk about Dansby with you is it, it is kind of funny because I get a lot of people that ask me about, well, can Vaughn Grissom play left field? And my response has been maybe we should wait to see what happens with Dansby first because to me, if Dansby's gone, I think I'm watching our next shortstop play in Vaughn Grissom. Am I crazy or – you know, where where are you kind of at with all this? Yeah, I know we've had a lot of uh, uh, can Von Grissom play left field uh, questions at the two, and uh, I agree with you. I think we need to wait and see what happens at shortstop first, you know. Um, you know, if they obviously they bring Swanson back, then, uh, you know, I think Grissom to the outfield uh, makes more sense. 
uh, you know, but uh, until we get to that point, you know, uh, it's hard to speculate. But uh, uh, Grissom's been good. I don't think, you know, I, I wonder if, if Swanson does walk, if they would just go with Grissom from day one. I know his defense will probably improve a lot working with Ron Washington. Uh, but I think that'd be a, a pretty good little drop off, you know, as far from going from Dansby uh, to to Grissom. So it'll be interesting to see how they play that this offseason. And, and it brings up another point, and I talk about this a lot. Look, twenty homer, Gold Glove caliber shortstop just don't grow on trees. There aren't a million of those guys out there, and I know they would love to keep him, but you know, the market value for twenty homer, Gold Glove shortstops. You know, that ticket price goes up, and, you know, I know it's a competitive market with Trey Turner and Correa and all those guys, but Dansby doesn't really have to take right now a backseat to anybody as far as his value on the open market. No, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a good offseason for shortstops, I think. And, and as you said, there's, there's a number of big names that's going to be in the market. Uh, but also, you know, a lot of teams, if uh, if if these guys move on, the so Xander Bogarts, the you know Trey Turners, uh, their former teams are going to be looking to replace them as well. So, you know, Dansby's uh, put himself in a in a pretty good position, and uh, you know, it'll just uh, it'll be interesting to see how high the Braves are willing to go there, and you know, if he's if they if there's a chance that maybe. You know, he just really wants to stay. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm a little more optimistic about an possibility of him sticking around now than I was a month or so ago. But you know, still, it, it'll depend. Uh, it'll depend on what the market looks like. I think. Last question for you, Chris. Um, Braves have a lot of roster decisions, and I know the rosters are about to expand. But Ian Anderson, Arcia, Ozzy, you know, Ian Anderson. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are, you know, Soroka. A lot of guys that are just kind of floating out there, and I wonder if they have more players than roster spots, or you think that they're in pretty good shape as the rosters expand here, first part of September. It's going to be interesting. I think that's that's the major storyline as we're heading into you know the end of August right here. You know, Ozzy's coming back. They're going to the roster will expand by two, but you know we're far removed from the days when you could add up to forty. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how the Braves handle it. Um, you know, I think how Anderson pitches, uh, or even a Kyle Muller pitches, might have some impact on what happens with Mike Soroka as well. Um, you know, you hope you don't have injuries. You know, the old saying is these situations always work themselves out. But uh, you know, at some point you're going to see, at least just on the position player side, at some point you're going to see uh, Ozzy Albies and Orlando Arcia both back. So. You know they're going to have to make a move there with somebody, whether it's Guillermo Heredia or uh, Adrianza. So it'll be interesting to see how they play that out. On Twitter at Chris underscore Willis, check them out at BatteryPowered.com, covering the Atlanta Braves for SB Nation. Join us on the WaitFor.com hotline. Chris, appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for a few minutes uh, tonight. We'll chat again soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me, John Chuckery. We'll be back. Sports right after the game on the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Back with you, John Chuckery Show, live in the Key Studios, Tuesday night with you, 
0929 Solomon Brothers Diamond text line if you want to leave us a comment there. Odyssey app site, Catch on the Go, social media, 19 on the game, at JMCH316 on the Twitter machine. We'll uh, get to what's bugging Chuck right here in just a, a couple of minutes. Uh, 5-1 Braves right now. They've uh, got a couple of more guys on, so seventh inning. This game's going by really quick because they started like about 7.05 uh, tonight, and Braves are rocking and rolling. they got a couple of guys on, runners at the corners with a couple of outs, so we'll see if they can uh, add to it. But Max Fried has been outstanding. Six innings, one hit. He gave up, gave up the home run to um, Michael Chavez, and that's it. That's the only hit he's given up. No walks is normal for him. Four strikeouts. And, you know, look, between Ian Anderson, Mike Soroka, right, you got a couple of starters that you're still waiting on to come back, either come back up from the minors or come back from a rehab assignment. There you go. There's a shot through the hole, and another run's going to score. Looks like Ronnie's going to score there. So Braves just beating up on the pond scum, low-life, dirt bag, flea bag, you know, muck and mess in a gutter, pine needles and sludge that's been sitting there for a year and then been cleaned up and it smells and stinks. And what's the Jim Cornette saying? It's like from Munda cheese in the septic tank of a slaughterhouse. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> oh, I've got another. Um, we got Rankham tonight coming up at 1040, David. Yes. But I got another. Um, I got another. A uh, couple of lists. One was, and we'll have to get to these at some point here as we work together, but one was the best matches in the Attitude Era. Mm. The WWF's best matches in the Attitude Era. Um, what was the other one that I saw? And the 10 best matches of the 2000s. Wow. Okay. We did We did the other night, we did the, the 12 most important matches or whatever in WWE yeah. history. Yeah. So this one's... From the Attitude Era, and I, and that's yeah, a good one. Well, you know the thing about the Attitude, what everybody has their own interpretation of when the Attitude Era started, right? Because I think my personal opinion, mm-hmm. okay, and not everybody agrees with this, but just my personal opinion is that the Attitude Era started at WrestleMania 13, when Bret and Austin had what I think is the best match ever. It's my favorite match of all time. I think it's the best match ever in WWE. Yeah. I think that, you know, that um, the uh, uh, submission match. Yes. Ken Shamrock makes his debut. You know, Austin bleeds, and he doesn't give up, but he passes yep. out. Yep. Uh, and, and it's such a tremendous match. It's, it's one of the first five-star matches that WWF had had, and it was tremendous match, my favorite match of all time. But to me, that's what started the Attitude Era. Now, some people think it was later in 97, Survivor Series, the Montreal Screwjob started the Attitude Era. Some people didn't think the Attitude Era started until Mike Tyson showed up at the Royal Rumble, mm. and that really got things going for Vince and the WWF and Austin and everybody. That's when things kicked into high overdrive. Okay, when was when was when did Nation and all them? When was Nation 97. and American that's, Badass that's, that's, with uh, so, Taker and all that? So, that's ninety seven. Well, no, because you got a couple different things there. Okay. Nation of Domination was 97. That's right. the, the Rock comes back from injury, right. and he joins them in the summer of 97. Right. Undertaker becoming the American Badass doesn't happen until 2000. Right, because he was still Taker. So. Yep, and he was out. He went out with injury for a little while, mm-hmm. and he came back at one of the pay-per-views in Riding 2000. Riding his bike, yeah. Yep, he came down and helped out The Rock in, yeah. at that one pay-per-view. 
that's where he was the American badass. Right. So, so, so I, I, for me, I'd say like those years kind of leading up to the nation forming because that 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 ninety five to ninety seven would be it for me. Yeah, because look, that's uh, the the thing for me is the attitude era doesn't really get started in my mind until Austin starts taking over yes. the business. When he becomes yes. a face, you know, and that was WrestleMania 13, when mm-hmm. he becomes the baby face and he becomes the guy that everybody rallies around. Yep. Yeah, because he kind of floundered a little bit in 96 when he first got there. And he's wrestling Mark Merrow, and I love Mark Merrow. We've had him on the show before. But wrestling Mark Merrow, wrestling Gold Dust and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But when he really, after he cut the promo in 96, the Austin 316 promo, yep. and he really started getting the audience behind him and – then in 97, when he becomes a full-fledged babyface, that he actually didn't want to become a babyface, but he was selling so much merchandise and everything like that. You know, Jim Ross talked about he made millions of dollars, just was making millions of dollars just off his merchandise sales. Millions of dollars off his merchandise sales. When he becomes the face of the company, that to me is when the Attitude Era really yeah. – because nobody defines the Attitude Era – like Steve he's Austin. the face. Right, exactly. He's the face right. of it. I mean, he's why Vince is a yeah. billionaire. Yeah. I mean, that's you know the reason Vince went public and became a billionaire is because of the success of Austin. Right. And I understand the Rock and Triple H mm. and Mankind and everybody, but it was it was led by Steve Austin. Yeah, I was gonna say he he led that charge because that's really when everybody else started Absolutely. changing who yep. they. Because remember, that's when we got the version of uh, you know with APA. That's when we got the version of them that. We'd never seen them like that exactly. before. Exactly. Yeah, instead you of those know? stupid symbols right. that they had, <laughs> or stupid painted symbols, part of the Ministry of Darkness. Right. <laughs> Man, there, there was. Listen, there, there were still some, you know, there were still some really bad gimmicks going on. You know, even as they got into all that. Well, look, they, they just had the documentary about DX, mm-hmm. and I agree with a lot of people. DX, the original DX, Sean or not Sean, um, Triple H, um, Sean Michaels. Yes, mm-hmm. Sean Michaels. China and Rick Rude. That's the original yeah, that's DX, the original, right? Yeah. Okay, but to me, they didn't really become DX until no. X Pac came until back. X, yep. Yep. When when yep. he came back from the WCW, and he took off, and yep. the um um and Road Dog and, and, and Billy Gunn came yeah, in. The yep. uh, the out the uh, the Outlaws. Yep. Um, when those when those guys all really kind of got together. Yep. Triple H was there. You know, remember. Shawn Michaels leaves in 98, mm-hmm. you know, after he wrestled Austin at WrestleMania 14. Right. He left because he screwed up his back at, at Royal Rumble that year yep. in the casket match with The Undertaker, and he was gone for four years. Mm-hmm. He didn't come back until SummerSlam of 2002 when he wrestled Triple H at SummerSlam. That was yeah. almost four and a half years later before he came back. But when X-Pac and the New Age Outlaws with Road yeah. Dogg, that to me is the DX. That's yeah. when DX really yeah. – Got it cranked up and going. Oh, you didn't know? Exactly. And I mean, listen, <laughs> X-Pac chopping everybody yes, and doing his thing. Man, Bronco yes. busting everybody. <laughs> you know, Road Dogg and, and Billy Gunn. I mean, that's yes. that to me is real the real yeah. DX. I yeah. mean, I know I know Sean and Triple H and all that in China and everything like that. And, and China took off. She was a superstar, yeah. you know, for that group uh, as well. But uh, so at some point, we'll get to all of that. We'll have a little bit of fun talking about what they have as their best matches uh, during the Attitude Era and uh, the 2000s um, as well. So, all right, speaking of Attitude Era, let's get to something we call What's Bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. 
It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. So the AP, the Associated Press writer, sports writer, and covers mostly the Buffalo Bills, his name is John Walrow, W-A-W-R-O-W, okay? He had a tweet the other day, and I, I saw this through um, OutKick's article about it. That's OutKick is the uh, Clay Travis outlet and all that kind of stuff, Jason Whitlock and, and all of them out there. He put out a tweet as the AP writer of, um, of, of the Buffalo Bills that, curious, just dawned on me that the Bills practice music soundtrack rarely, if ever, features a female act. Now, I was thinking to myself when I when I read this story. Um, first off, how does the how does the beat writer even pay attention enough to and I know if he's the beat writer for the Bills, but he covers the Buffalo Bills and he's at their practice, covers the covers the Bills for the AP. How would somebody even know that? Can I tell you of all the things if I'm a journalist, journalist, if I'm a journalist covering the Buffalo Bills and I'm at practice, can I tell you the last thing I would ever be able to tell you is what kind of – I don't even pay attention to when they have the music at Falcons practice. I, I literally can't even tell you. Like, I, I couldn't name the artist or what they were playing. I, I really just – I don't even tune into anything like that. And, and I just had to laugh because they did do an article on on this guy talking about um, – uh, they, they say, without ever hearing of this guy before today, I can confidently predict he still wears a mask in public – he probably has a photo library of himself wearing said masks to show while he's using Tinder. He's a Mike Florio type beta male trying to inject even more woke think into the game of football. He watches the NFL and WNBA in a setting that mirrors the following. And they have the SpongeBob SquarePants picture, the, the one that says, uh, I, I'm a head out of here and all that. And he's got a he's got a multicolored wig on. And, and this, that, and the other. I had to laugh when I saw um, all of this because, again, I I don't know if I'd have gone to the point of writing an article about this guy, but it does seem strange that that, that comment would, would come from somebody or that he would even be paying attention enough to know what their what their music is. His Twitter is at John Walrow, under, John underscore W-A-W-R-O-W or whatever like that, so... Uh, I did have to laugh that Outkick put an article like that up and um, and was making fun of him and the fact that here's a guy whose focus is not so much on the Bills. And, and look, maybe that's a good thing because the Buffalo Bills, hell, they're, what, one of the top two or three teams in the NFL. Maybe you don't have to watch a whole lot of their practice to, to know and understand the idea of about, um, um, you know, about how good they're going to be. But anyway, I thought that was funny. And something else I want to get to here real quickly. And I, I, Dede, I didn't mention this top of the show, did I? But did you see that the Hawks made mm-hmm. a trade offer? Yeah. For Kevin Durant. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember when? Well, you don't. I'm not saying you. The collective you. Right, right. When Carl Dukes and I worked together, mm-hmm. and we were talking about go get KD. Yeah. How, you you have to make an offer to KD. Yeah. And look, I'm glad that it's getting out there. And I don't care if it did have John Collins and Hunter and – who was the other person? Was it, it Capella? It was, uh, I know Hunter. It was the first-round pick, Hunter, Collins, and I can't remember who uh, it was, was the third person. Collins, Hunter, 
a draft pick yeah. and somebody else, because I'm just looking at the story here real quick, that they were going to offer. Yeah. And, and I understand that the Nets said no and all that kind of stuff, but you have to make offers like that. And when people talk about, oh, Durant this and Durant that, Kevin Durant's the best offensive player in the NBA still. He is the premier offensive player in the NBA. You have to make a run at a guy like that. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not mad that the Nets said no, but I'm also very happy to hear that my organization, which a lot of times, let's face it, our sports organizations in this town don't dip their toe into waters like that. But you have to do that. And I was very happy that the Hawks made an offer. And I don't think they I don't think they made an offer that insulted the intelligence because you're getting DeAndre Hunter, you're getting, you know, John Collins, you're getting a first round. I don't think it was an offer to just make an offer and insult their intelligence. I think they legitimately made an offer that, hey, we're willing to give this up. And I think you have to balance it, right? I don't think you want to give up everything in your organization, or you're going to have nobody to play around Durant, and he's going to cry and moan that he ain't got nobody around him. But I was very happy and very glad to see that the Hawks organization went down that road. And I'm glad I'm, I'm glad it's public. Like, I've got no issue whatsoever that Sham Sharinia put that out there on Twitter and people ran with it. I'm glad. Brother, that makes me even more of a Hawks fan. I'm not mad at the Hawks for not getting Kevin Durant, but I would have been mad if the Hawks had not made a run. And we heard Landry Fields on the station talking about, you know, conversations and stuff like that. You know, when he was on the Indian Randy, when he was on Michael Carl, talking about, yeah, you know, we're looking all around and this, that, and the other. I'd have been more mad if I'd have heard that the Hawks didn't make an offer. But the fact that they put their toe in that water. This isn't a Deshaun Watson situation at all, by the way, either. This isn't a guy facing suspension or this, that, and the other, and, and you weren't selling off everything of your franchise for it. You still got Trey Young and other pieces and stuff like that. You'd have put yourself back a little bit, but you're getting the best offensive player in the NBA. So shout out to Travis Schlank. Shout out to Landry Fields that I'm glad that this is public. If I'm the Hawks, I'm happy right now that this is out in the public domain. Because as a Hawks fan, I'm glad to know that we made a run at it. You know, as much as I crap on the Falcons because they should have never even dipped their toe in the Deshaun Watson waters, knowing what he was, knowing what was coming, and knowing that the compensation, because the the Texans were very clear, a minimum of three first-round picks. And obviously you were going to have to give him a new contract because that was the whole point of this thing. Give him a new contract and pay him a whole crap ton of money. So where I was, you know, where basically that was a stupid decision by the Falcons because it ultimately led to Matt Ryan deciding to run out on your franchise. I am very happy to hear that the Hawks were involved in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. I'm glad. That makes me feel like we want to go for it. Yeah, hate to give up Hunter and Collins and draft pick and this and that, but it's Kevin friggin' Durant. And it's supposed to hurt a little bit, right? It's supposed to have a little bit of painfulness to it to give up pieces, to get that in return. So shout out to the Hawks for getting involved in all that. I'm glad it's out. I'm glad it's in the public. And I hope it makes people even more of Hawks fans 
to know that they made a run of trying to get one of the best players in all of the NBA. All right, when we come back this uh, t- or come back from the top of the hour, Dansby's had some strange power spurts this year. I'm gonna give you some numbers on him up next. Chuck in the Key Studios. Sports right after the game, Odyssey.com app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.